Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. One of the things, too, that we, are, uh, we have made as part of, our, of who we are as the Mission Church is expositional preaching. You say, what? Expositional preaching. It basically is the idea of, of, of taking a book or taking a passage of the Bible and going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, verse by verse uh, through that. We did Ephesians while we were still federated and, and finished it up as the Mission Church. And now we're in the Gospel of Luke. And one of the strengths that I think is, is there inherent in exegetical preaching is that it forces us from just focusing on popular texts while leaving those that are less popular off on the side. If you're going verse by verse, you just got to cover it all and you don't get the option of just saying, well, that's a little difficult or that's a little strange or that looks a little boring. I won't go through that. No, you got to work your way through all of that. And, you know, we've made a commitment to having a high view of Scripture that we really reverence God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture, not just some scriptures, but everything that we find in the canon from Genesis to the end of Revelation is God-breathed, and it is profitable to us. It is profitable for our teaching, for our education, for our reproof, for our correction, for our training in righteousness. And that's all scripture, not just some scriptures. Today's passage is is a perfect case in point. You know, each December, the church as a whole focuses on select passages from Isaiah and Matthew and, and Luke, which speak directly to the birth of the Messiah. But then once we get past Christmas Day, it's like, okay, well, we've done that. We push that aside and we just go on with other things. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's sinful in any way, but, but I will say this, that when we just kind of focus on the birth of Christ from those select passages and then just kind of push that aside and move on to other things, it, 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 it leaves us with an incomplete view of the full revelation that God has given and provided for our growth. And so if you'll take your Bibles today and turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 38, we find in this passage, Revelation that is important concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, important for us to understand because it impacts us as well. There are two things that are, I find in this passage that are, is important for us to grasp, and we're going to dig into it in just a moment. Number one is Jesus' fulfillment of the law, even from his infancy. And two, there are witnesses here, three witnesses, three sets of witnesses that attest to his true identity post his birth. You know, we had the angel and such prior. We had the shepherds, you know, immediately upon his birth who gave witness to who he is. But God continues to give us more witnesses so that we have confidence in him and our following of him. Let's read the passage and then we'll begin to unpack it. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. It says, and at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name, by, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, 
Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That's a quote from Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, and also verse 12. Verse 24 goes on to say, And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. And now we're going to see a quote from Leviticus 12, 18. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Again, that word Christ means Messiah. So Simeon would not die before he saw the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother, Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about Jesus And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. Now, I don't know how this happened, but somehow verse 37 didn't make it into my manuscript, nor did it make it onto the screen. So I'm going to read it right here anyway. Verse 37 says, Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him, that is, of Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Looking back on the birth of Christ, the Apostle Paul writes revelation to the believers in Galatia. This is what he writes. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, notice this, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. The law. The purpose of the law when God gave it through Moses was to reveal to the world the righteousness of God and also to reveal to the individual heart the unrighteousness of man. The reason God wanted man to see his unrighteousness, and by the way, when I use the word man, that's mankind, I'm just making it short. The reason God wanted man to see his unrighteousness was to drive us to the one who fulfilled all righteousness, and that one is Jesus Christ. In order for him to fulfill all righteousness, Jesus had to be born under the authority and the demands of of God's law, just like every other human being is. Of course, the difference between Jesus and every other human is that Jesus kept the law. And he kept the law from his infancy, even before he could make his own independent 
choices. God saw to it that that was possible by having godly parents there to raise him, to make decisions for him before he was capable of making those decisions, and to ensure that he was walking in the path of the Lord before he could know how to do that himself. Mary and Joseph were not perfect, but this much is true of them. They did love God, and they did desire to walk in his revelation. And that's why we find that eight days following Jesus' birth, they had him circumcised. Yes, Jesus was circumcised. It was required for males of Israel by the law. You know, a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, we talked about the significance of circumcision uh, when it was brought up regarding John the Baptist and his, his uh, uh, birth and circumcision. And there were a few things, though, that I didn't add in that talk of circumcision that I'm going to add today. So uh, I'm going to give you a couple of new thoughts here to consider. Of course, we all know that, that circumcision was the identifying mark of a son of Abraham and thus a Jew. What we might not always recognize is that that mark carried both a positive and a negative instructional connotation. On the positive end, the removal of the foreskin of the flesh, and my wife just now crawled under the chair. She'll hit me up with that when I get home. She doesn't like it when I say things like that, but it's what it is. The removal of the foreskin of the flesh, in a positive sense, was a symbol It was a symbol of what God would do through the work of Christ in the removal of the dead works of the soul. You see, when we become converted to Jesus Christ, we become spiritually circumcised. God removes the unnecessary fleshliness so that his spiritualness can come in and through us. And it was a symbol of that. The allowing of the righteousness of faith and the work of the Spirit to to emerge in a new spiritual heart. It was a symbol, a picture of that. Negatively, on the other hand, the continual from this time of, of, of history when they were doing this from a religious perspective, the continual removal of the foreskin of Israelite males symbolized the unrighteousness that was inherent in every child born. Yes, Scripture teaches us that every child born is born in sin. That includes my precious little grandson too. As sweet as he looks, as cute as he is, as cute as yours are, they are born in sin. And that circumcision was a a, a symbol of that, reminding parents that they had given birth to yet another sinner, one that needed the unrighteousness of their inner self cut away so that new life generated by God could flourish. When you think about it, and I'm not going to draw any pictures or use any extra words to try to describe this, but when you think about circumcision, it has a unique and intimate connection with human reproduction, does it not? It was intended to be a continual reminder that the only things humans can reproduce are sinners, just like themselves. Now, having said that, I can see that you are making a very perceptive observation right now. You say, Pastor Mike, do tell. What observation are we making? You are observing that Jesus, unlike all the others, was born without original sin. His father was God, not man. And so you're perceiving and asking the question, why would Jesus be subjected to circumcision if that's what it meant? The meaning of circumcision has no direct connection to Jesus, 
But remember that although he was born without original sin, he was nonetheless born under the authority and under the demands of the law. Therefore, the only way Jesus could remain sinless was to fulfill every aspect of the law. So Joseph and Mary, being devout Jews, desiring to walk in accordance with the law and desiring the same for their child, followed the law for Jesus when he was unable to do it himself as they would do with any other child born to them. In so doing, Jesus then was identified as he would be throughout his whole life with the ones he came to save. And this brings me to our first truth point. Although Jesus is fully God, and thus he is the law giver, he humbled himself to the law he gave so that as man he could fulfill it. I want you to think about that for a minute. The law giver did not live above or beyond the law. The law giver subjected himself to that law as a human being. Now, let me just ask you this. If the law giver saw it necessary to submit himself to the law because the law is righteous, who are we to think that we have a pass? Oh, I know, we don't live under law, we live under grace, absolutely. And thank God for that. Amen. But do you think that means you can flaunt the law and neglect it? This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.